Today's show, I am joined by Danny Noakes from 106.7 The Fan. It's the Beltway Series, the series that we all love. And Danny Noakes used to be a Baltimore Orioles fan, but made the transition into being a Nationals fan. How hard was that for him, but also you, wherever you are listening? We'll talk about that right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every single day. And before we get to Danny Noakes from 106.7 The Fan, let me tell you guys about today's sponsor from HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. And now we get into it with Danny Noakes from 106.7 The Fan as we are talking about a Beltway series. Danny Noakes, my friend, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me back. I am a big fan of the Beltway series as it is a a mashing together of the two teams that I have spent my baseball life rooting for at different points. And I can't wait to talk about the transition of how exactly that happened here over the next couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you led the witness there and I was about five years old when the nationals moved here. So I can't really say that I was an Orioles fan before I was a nationals fan at five years old, I guess. But again, can you really be a fan when you're five years old and you're still in <laughs> diapers? Like, okay. But you were, you were 12 years old when the nationals came here to DC. So you mm -hmm. had those years in your youth to where you watched the Orioles, you watched Cal Ripken, you watched all those different guys. And so how was that transition? Like when a team moved from Montreal here to Washington, DC, you grew up an Orioles fan and now you have a team in your hometown. What was little Danny Noakes thinking back then? <laughs> Dude, it was an interesting time to, to be a baseball fan, you know, because as a D.C. sports fan, right, we had the Caps, we had the Wizards who had not long removed from that, rebranded from the Bullets, yeah. and then you had the Redskins, and, and it was always a Redskins town at, at that point. Everybody that's either grown up in and around the DMV and, and has lived here at any point over the last 30, 40, 50 years knows that, that it's always been a football town. Now, that's changing, obviously, with everything that's happened both on and off the field for, for the football <laughs> franchise. And some good things finally happened off the field for them. Yeah, yeah. The ownership <laughs> change that, that may or may not be imminent, although it sounds like it's imminent, which is great news for them. But <laughs> what's interesting about, I think, being a D.C. fan in that time was there was no baseball team. So I know that I'm not alone in having been a fan of the Baltimore Orioles. Now, my dad didn't go to a big college. He only has an associate's degree. He's managed to be pretty successful for himself, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But a fan of the Maryland Terrapins for, for most of his upbringing, we kind of had a little bit of fandom within the state of Maryland already in that regard. So 
having grown up watching Cal Ripken Jr., he was and always will be my absolute all-time favorite baseball player until a national decides to take that over. But I can remember getting watch, being able to watch him play when I was a kid and how special that was and watching him break Lou Gehrig's streak on TV. I, you know, th- there, there was a lot of really cool moments there that definitely impact a, a young kid as, as he's watching mm-hmm. th- that, that baseball team while he's growing up. Now, like you said, I was 12 when the Nats came to town. And I remember Christmas 2004 was when we got our first Nats gear. You know, nice. Santa Claus brought our, our first Nationals T-shirts got for, for me and my brothers. And, and that was kind of where it all started. And although I felt like it was weird knowing that we were going to start rooting for a different team. And it's not like that ever said, we're not Orioles fans anymore. We're Nationals fans now. And there was nothing. There was no speech or anything like that that happened. It was just going to be a natural and gradual progression to becoming a Nats fan because at the heart of who we are. DC sports fans, right? My, my dad grew up in Falls Church and, and never left Northern Virginia. They still live in Chantilly, Virginia and have for my entire life, which is approaching 30 years this July. So when, when the Nats came to town, it was a little bit difficult because they were bad. Now, the first <laughs> season, they actually got out to a really great start and completely faltered down the backstretch. And for that first season, 2005, it was actually pretty exciting because they finished right around 500 but Mm -hmm. obviously they didn't win their first division title until 2012 which was the first year that they went to the playoffs and a lot of people think that that team was good enough to win a world series and i'll never absolutely forget or forgive thorin it's it's burned into every i actually i wasn't watching it i was listening to it because at that at that time in 2012 i was i was a sophomore at virginia tech and we did not have masson or cable at all and yeah. this was a playoff game so it wasn't even on mass and so we didn't have cable couldn't watch the game i was listening to it on espn radio and i remember that wow. and, and it falling apart and it was not a whole lot of fun but it, it at the core of who i am is a dc sports fan so so it always made sense but i'll say this i do still have a soft spot in my heart for the orioles not their ownership mm-hmm. he's one of the worst owners in sports right up there with dan snyder i think absolutely if it weren't for a world series, we'd probably be talking about the learners entering that conversation as well, because they've squandered more talent than pretty much any baseball franchise. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But Camden yards is a palace and uh, just a, a, a a bastion of nostalgia. And it was, it's funny. I I, I was reading about it too recently because it was in the early nineties that it opened and it was a part of that, sort of fad where new ballparks were opening that were made to to look a little bit more retro and mm-hmm. and and just kind of harken back to that nostalgia so um camden yards is is one of the best ballparks in major league baseball nats park is home and i love nats park and it's an amazing experience whether you're a home fan you're rooting for the nats or you're a visiting fan rooting for somebody else i love nats park i love how easy it is to get to I yes. love having watched the area, the Navy Yard around Nats Park be built Blow up. up. And, and there's just all sorts of fun things to do around there. It's really great now. And it's it's also a great place to, to watch a game. So I love when these two teams meet every year. It's a lot of I fun. love it too. And and here here's the thing about that, Danny. You know, you, you started my wheelhouse. I love talking stadiums. So mm. I really want to talk about Camden Yards. But Let's let me just it. say this for Nationals fans. 
Uh, I love Nationals Park as well. I, I actually I think Nationals Park is severely underrated when talking Agreed. about some of the game's better ballparks. And I've been to a few. I've been to PNC. I've been to Camden. I've been to Fenway. And obviously, Nationals Park doesn't really stack up to those because those are the top three in my mind. But they aren't that far away. And again, mm-hmm. but looking at Camden, Camden takes a trophy over Nationals Park, and it's not even close. And it's not because Nationals Park is bad. It's just because Camden is that nice. But, Danny, I do want to get, like, kind of your parents' perspective from this because there are some older people that listen to this podcast. And I'm not not calling you guys out, not calling you old or anything. I'm 23 <laughs> years old. I'm a young idiot. Young but buck. here's the thing. Or a young buck is a nicer way to put myself. But there are a lot of people who grew up for 30, 40, 50 years with the Baltimore Orioles. So how was it like for your parents or for your mother and father? What was it like for, I just said parents and mother and father, like, oh my God. Um, What was it like for them to make that transition? Was it a little bit harder, would you say, just because of what they grew up with? No, it was not hard. In fact, Mm -hmm. my dad is where I get my love for sports. It's where yeah. I get a lot of my gift of gab, right? It's, it's, it's where I got my love for sports talk. He's who introduced mm-hmm. me to the junkies at a very young age, probably yep. too young an age. Same. But <laughs> my dad, my dad, if, if for anybody out there who's listening and, and that might know him, um, he's famous for his rants, especially his sports-related rants. And mm-hmm. there's nothing like a good old-fashioned Redskins rant because those, those are always the best. But he gives he gave some good Baltimore Orioles rants, and as 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 more time passed, he just got really sick of having to drive to Baltimore to watch a Major League Baseball <laughs> game. So honestly, he had the easiest time of any of us moving on from from Baltimore. I, I'm the only one that that really didn't move on per se. I'm looking at a Cal Ripken poster and a Cal Ripken pennant sitting on the wall in front of me right now. I'm not joking you. I'd spin yeah. my camera if it weren't plugged into the wall right now, but. It wasn't hard for them. It, it, it wasn't that it was hard for me. It was it was more of just shifting focus. But you want to talk about ballparks too. PNC is is one of people's destinations Beautiful. that they want to go to because it's just so nice, right? It's definitely near the top of my list. I've been to Dodger Stadium. Could oh. not believe how old it was. You yeah. know, on TV, it doesn't look quite that old, but it's you know, right up there with Fenway and Wrigley as, as one of the older venues in major league baseball. It's a historical uh, establishment at this point. It, so it's cool. like a museum in itself. Kind of like fig. Uh, I was going to say Figley. That's one of my friends last name Wrigley and Fenway. And I just married those you combined two. them. This yeah. has been a disaster start for me, Danny. So I, no, I, dude. I, hey, and the, the last one that tough. I, the, the, the one, so the, the last one that I went to last year was, Petco Park, San Diego, home of the Padres. Oh. That lives up to the hype. That's a great ballpark. San Diego is a very cool city in general. Very of cool. course it is. It's just a beautiful place to go. The weather there is some of the nicest Amazing. in the country. But but Petco is was was near the top, if not my top. And it definitely lived up to the hype. And what's funny, it, it was in June of last year. So we were about a month away from Juan Soto getting traded out there. And I was also 
at Juan's second to last game at Nats Park, I, I want to say a month later in July. And I was wearing my Juan Soto jersey Same. that'll never see Nats Park again. It'll never yeah. see Nats Park again. <laughs> All right. Well, Danny, we talked about the Beltway series and the Orioles and the Nationals connection. Uh, real quick, just to, just to one off this. Do you think that Orioles fans hate the Nationals fans still? Like, that was a thing hmm. at one point. We do have to move on to the commercial break, but we'll actually, I'm going to leave that cliffhanger there. We're going to get to that after this, because I do want to hear that a lot of people hate Nationals fans up in Baltimore. You used to be an Orioles fan, so I want to hear that take on it. But before we get into that, I got to tell you guys about our new sponsor, So Rare. And So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans and owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Guys, also, just a little fun note to this. You have guys like Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez who have partnered with So Rare to this event, and it is the coolest thing, knowing that we have an old friend with Juan Soto in this. But, guys, here's the big requirement. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team a free player card, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards again. That's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. And now we get back into it with Danny Noakes and we left a little cliffhanger there Danny so do Orioles fans hate Nationals fans well I have to be careful here not to paint with too broad a brush right because I feel Mm -hmm. like whenever we have these conversations about fan bases whatever sport that it is you start to generalize and then folks from the fan base that you're talking about get offended because they're not the way that you describe this these other people in the fan base but I'll say this I have seen some pointed comments by Orioles fans at Nationals fans over Mm -hmm. the last several years. And and they're generally in the vein of something like, I remember when you used to be an Orioles fan, right? That's the perfect, that's the, that's the perfect descriptor of me and, and many like me who did not have a team to root for in Washington, DC from the time I was born in 1993 till in 2005 before the Nationals got here. So from from that perspective, yeah, there there are definitely people talking. And and I I think there are other people too that are just probably a little bit jealous of the national success that they've had from from 2012 to 2019. Obviously, they haven't even gotten a whiff of that success mm-hmm. since winning the World Series in 2019, but I feel like Orioles fans probably feel like they've long been due for that. But guess yeah. what, O's fans? You got a terrible owner. That's something you and we DC sports fans have in common, not just from the baseball perspective, but from the football perspective. That's for darn and sure. And basketball. Yeah. And basketball. That's not going in a, in a much more positive <laughs> direction, is it? Uh, but see, I'll say this, buddy, because I, I think this is an important point to mm-hmm. make here. A lot of Orioles and Ravens fans are Capitals fans. True. And there's no different in argue. You can't make, you can't 
say that the two arguments are any different because it's the same thing. If you're a Baltimore mm-hmm. sports fan, you like the Ravens, you like the Orioles. Capitals play in D.C. Even if they used to play in Maryland, that's not how it is anymore. And they're a D.C. team. So that would that's be what point. I would tell any Orioles fan that's salty at that. But, uh, you know, it's not something that I see a lot of anymore. So to, to that's answer true. your question, I, I see some of it every now and then, but but not a whole lot. I really don't think it's, there's there's much there. And that, that's true. It's more of the older generation yeah. just because of what they witnessed the battle from the Angelos and the MLB and trying to stop a team from getting here in Washington, D.C. But mm-hmm. that's another topic for another day. I, I would actually love to go deep in on That'd that. Be fun. With, That'd be uh, fun. Yeah, that's that would be a ton of fun. But speaking of fun, Danny, Danny, has this 2023 season been a little fun for you to watch for these <laughs> Washington Nationals? Well, I, I I can't say that my my expectations have have seen their results fall beneath them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've exceeded them either. I think they're probably right in line with where we expected them to be at this point. And mm-hmm. if I'm looking at some of the positive things to, to take away, I would first start with Mackenzie Gore, who's looked really good in two Absolutely. out of his three starts, right? He's sort of lived up to the billing so far with only three starts under his belt. Obviously, a lot more baseball that, that needs to be played. And his most recent outing was actually the one that he struggled the most against there against uh, Cleveland a couple of days ago. But I think you've I think you've really seen that from a couple of guys on the staff. Josiah Gray is kind of the same way. You know, he's been he's been pitching much better at, since uh, getting roughed up early against Atlanta. Um, but I, he's, I think he's, he's done a nice job of, of bouncing back there mm-hmm. Absolutely. right, right before, um, Cade Cavalli's announcement of Tommy John surgery came out, we were doing this show and, and we knew that that would be something that would be really difficult for the nationals to overcome this season and for, for it to happen right before the start of the season, it couldn't have been worse timing, but gut punch, gut punch, Trevor Williams hasn't been that bad. You know, um, cool has been cool has been fine. There's they're not getting a whole lot of run production, you know, and and that's really what we expected with that. both a team that's young and and one that just doesn't have a ton of pop in it. I, I I love the start from Victor Robles. You know, he seems like he's kind of turned the clock back a little bit. His average is is currently sitting north of 300. How long will that last? We're not sure. And and Joey Manessis actually is kind of slow out of the gates. This yeah. season, but but I think that you know coming off of the 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 hype from the World Baseball Classic, he just needs to kind of settle back into his rhythm and, and he'll be fine. But I think all of that is probably right in line with what we're expecting, man. Exactly, and you know a lot of people like I, I was preaching all off season, like listen, the team is telling you what they are by the way they're spending in free agency. Right, Corey Dickerson and Trevor Williams being your marquee signings, or J. Mayor Candelario, who has actually been really impressive so Mm -hmm. far i'm not even gonna lie yep but they're telling you what they are they're not ready to compete yet they're not ready to spend and get that arm they're not ready to spend and get that jason worth we understand that part of this but Mm. here's the part that i was talking about yesterday and this is the frustrating part with a rebuilding team and it's not just us the nationals have to take the wins that they can get we've seen i believe up to this point They've had six leads in games that they have blown and have then lost that game. Yeah. That part of this, that we're only two and a half weeks into the season. That is the part where I'm just like, I I can't watch that. Like I, 
these at the end of the day, yes, these are young guys. Yeah. But you're also a professional baseball player. Like you still have those expectations to where you go into that bullpen when Davey Martinez chooses Hobie Harris or Kyle Finnegan, whoever it may be, to call in and close that game out. You have to finish the game. And if you don't finish the game, then you're going to hear about it because unfortunately that's what you get paid to do. Mm. You get paid to finish these games. And that has been the frustrating part of this just because when you have a lead, team that's not going to have too many leads this year you got to take advantage of it yeah and and by that metric buddy i believe that would make six out of their 11 losses mm-hmm. losses in which they actually led in that game which, yeah you know we were just talking about how the expectation there are records five and 11 which is where we would have probably course, pegged yes. them at 16 games through this season but you talk about expectations Maybe they actually have somewhat played above our expectations, having led in six of their 11 losses to go along with the five wins that they actually did secure. I'll give them some of the benefit of the doubt there. And I think I think you're spot on because they do need to figure out how to finish some of those games. And, you know, it's their their starting pitching is is near uh, last in in Major League Baseball right Mm now. So I think that they're going to they're going to need to step up there and one of the biggest caveats to, to having an above average, at least in, in this team's perspectives season was going to be a good pitching rotation. And, and mm. having already lost Cade Cavalli, they're, they're really starting out behind in that regard. But if they can pick some of that up, some of the guys in, in, in their lineup have, have shown some flashes, you know, Alex call has made some, has made some great plays in the field and, and he's come up mm-hmm. with a, a couple of big RBIs and some games as well average isn't there yet you know it's going to be about finding consistency for so many of these guys and and i feel like for yeah for most young players in major league baseball when you play 162 games a season that's both the hardest and the most important thing to learn as as a young player that's that is exactly what it's about but hey let's let's move on let's preview this Orioles series real quick but just before we do that we got to take a break and hear from our sponsors we'll get right back to it right after this And now we get back into it as we are previewing the Baltimore Orioles series against your Washington Nationals. And Danny, tonight is a Josiah Gray day going on in the bump for his four start of this young season. What are your expectations going against a red hot Baltimore Orioles offense with Josiah Gray? Yeah, it's no secret. Like you said, they are red hot right now. They definitely have. They're a team, I think, too, that really feeds off of energy and momentum and because they're a team that's filled with a bunch of young guys too right Mm -hmm. Adley Rutschman their catcher is someone that came up last year with as high expectations as as certainly any prospect that they've had in recent memory but probably most prospects across major league baseball over the last five or so years he's definitely I think been one of the more highly touted prospects and he has come in and he has injected a ton of energy into into that lineup and and an important position too as as a catcher. So Josiah is going to need to be locked in. You know, I, like I said, he's been pitching better since getting roughed up a little bit earlier on in the season in that game against the Braves. Yet to get his first win, and and his ERA is kind of inflated right now at four point three two. But it's it's really more of a result of of a couple of 
a couple of bad innings, which yeah. in baseball, you know, that that's the sort of thing that happens. You have to be precise so that those couple of innings don't come back to bite you later in a game. But, you know, so if, if Josiah goes out and gives them six strong innings, they'll they'll have a very good chance to win as as they will or should in most scenarios if Josiah is, is trotting out there to, to spin it for him. Yeah, exactly. Especially with Josiah Gray. We've talked about some of the issues. Josiah Gray has to stop giving up the long ball. And mm. especially when it comes to left-handed hitters in the Nat or not the Nationals. The Orioles have Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman, who will be going from the left side of the plate. I Danny, you heard this here first. I am guaranteeing a home run from one of those two guys. But I actually have a feeling that tonight the Nationals get a win against the Baltimore Orioles. I believe Josiah Gray shuts the door down on this red-hot Orioles offense. Why not? Why not him? Why not tonight? And if there's any weakness to this Orioles team right now, it's been what you would probably say their weakness has been for my whole life. They're pitching. pitching, (laughs) You know what I mean? The pitching is, is, and and it's so funny how franchises get stuck in, in these, you know, cycles where, where they can't have, they can't get consistently good starting pitching. The angels, I feel like is a, is a a great example. Yeah. And and they have Shohei Otani, of course, now who can, who can both pitch and he Mm -hmm. can play any position that you need him to, but look at all the talent that they've had roll through between trout, poo holes, Otani, that's great. He's not going to be able to keep this up his entire career. As as fun and as exciting as it is, there's there's just no way. He's going to have to pick one. The Angels stink again. So (laughs) figure it out. And and Rendon too. I mean, like they've had a ton of squandered talent. They stink. That's that's just to to draw a parallel there, right? Baltimore, I had to remind myself, went to the ALCS in 2014. That's coming up on nine years ago, which is a, a good chunk of time. But, you know, it's it always comes down to pitching for them. And we talked about how the Nats have one of, of the, the least effective starting rotations in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. right now. The Orioles are actually beneath them in that yeah. regard. And the Orioles have a much better record right now. Nats 5-11, and 11, Baltimore 9-7. and seven. So that's if, if you're going to if you're going to find a way to get it done, you can shut that offense down. You know, if your offense wakes up a little bit, you're going to have a chance. There's no doubt about that. That is what I'm saying. And also through the first two and a half weeks of this season, the Nationals at the plate have been a tough team to strike out, and they have faced the Braves. They faced the Rays. Those two, I mean, they have Cy Young contenders all up and down those rosters. And the Nationals yeah. actually did decently well. They weren't really producing any runs, but they are tough out. C.J. Abrams is a tough out. Luis Garcia is a tough out. And believe it or not, Victor Robles – the first two and a half weeks has been a tough out to get. So the Nationals have been compiling some good at-bats to where I do think they can compete against a very bad Baltimore Orioles staff, especially going against Dean Kramer. I'm sorry, yeah. Dean, but like I don't know who you are. <laughs> like I'm just yeah. being honest. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm glad you made the point, too, about who the Nats played early in the season between Atlanta and Tampa. Tampa, who was on a historic start. 13-0. And and, yeah, yeah and, and that was that was really cool. And just mm-hmm. if anybody out there is, is not aware of what we're talking about, just Google Tampa Bay Rays start, and it'll put into perspective how rare what they just did is. Insane. It's been like 100 years since a, yeah. a team has had that good a start. It's It was incredible. Um, and, and then Atlanta, obviously, who – 
despite the fact that they, they don't have Dansby Swanson anymore. Now they're a couple years removed from the World Series. They're still going to compete. You know, Philadelphia kind of got out to a, a slower start. I expect yeah. them to, to pick up the pace because there's just no way with that much firepower in their offense that, that they're just going to be quiet all season long. I don't, I don't believe that. But I think that those two teams will be right there at the top of the, the NL East when, when, when it's all said and done. So these, like you said, opportunities don't always present themselves the way that, that you would hope when you're a team that's far beneath the talent level of, of who you're lining up against night in and night out. So when an opportunity to beat that team does present itself, you need to jump on it. And, and this is a scenario going into a couple of games against Baltimore where if you get a lead, you got to shut the door because they're all about that late inning magic, man. Adley Rutschman already has a walk-off home run this yeah. season, his first of his career, and that place went nuts. They're going to be playing at Nats Park, so it won't quite be the same, but some of those fans will make da- make the trip uh, down 95, uh, the Beltway 495 to uh, to Nats Park. So, man, it, it's it's just going to come it. down. It's just going to come down to to making those making making the opportunities count when they present exactly. themselves. And th- no, those are great points. It's it's kind of just been the basis of today's show is that when you are handed something, you better take it and run, take it <laughs> and run, literally and figuratively. So, yes. but Danny, I do want to get to this really upsetting news that mm. Zach Brixey, the former Virginia Tech stud pitcher out mm. of uh, that 2022 MLB draft class, will be shut down due to Tommy John surgery as talk Nats over on Twitter got that and broke that news. You covered him over on Virginia tech. You've seen him pitch in person. So I do want to get your reaction to that as you've seen a lot from him and you believe in what he can do. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm bummed because anyone that has to have Tommy John surgery, obviously that's quite a, a big hurdle to clear, you know, even if it has become more common for players to bounce back from Tommy John surgery. Frankly, it, it feels like you're in the minority if you haven't had Tommy John surgery at some point in your baseball career. I think someone like Max Scherzer, who hasn't had it yet, is an outlier. You know, pretty much everybody has had it at least once. And we know that well with, with Strasburg here. But I was bummed for for Zach, obviously, because there was so much I, I felt like there was not potential to see him in the nationals lineup this year, but to see him take another major step forward, which he was on a a great trajectory development wise towards the end of last year. It really Mm -hmm. started in the middle of last year. He was very effective in Fredericksburg. He's just a guy that I think is, is going to steadily progress. You know, he comes from that Virginia tech program in, in Blacksburg coached by John chef that, when I was there in, in 2018 and 2019, right before I left to come to Richmond, you know, they were still trying to build things up. They were more so rebuilding and they were one of the worst teams in the ACC. Fa- fast forward to last year and, you know, they're hosting a super regional. So he helped turn that program around in a, in a relatively short period of time. And I think he did it with players that are kind of like Zach, who steadily develop throughout their careers. So it's, it's, Hopefully it's a it's a minor setback for a major comeback. Obviously we're not going to see him again this season and that stinks. It stings as well, but I'm hoping that it's happening both early enough in his career that he can recover a little bit better. Maybe his his body is able to adjust to that a little bit quicker than if he were to have this sort of surgery in say 5 or 10 years, right? Exactly. Um but 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 also 
you know, I, I hope that it doesn't hinder his development because obviously Tommy John surgery, even if it is more common, is still a, a major reconstructive surgery to have on your elbow. So it really I'm is. bummed for him. I when I saw I saw the tweet from 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 you and and Nat's um Nat's talk and I was I just sat in my chair for a second and I just just exhaled. That I was know. my guy. He was who I brought up on the podcast a couple of yeah. weeks ago as someone yeah. that I, I felt like we were going to be able to look at at the end of the season and be like, okay, maybe maybe we're ready to see him up in the bigs next year. But uh, who knows, man? Baseball's weird. Baseball, Baseball is a weird. weird sport. It sounds it sounds like up to this point from the reporting that I've seen that he's expected to make a full recovery, should be back by next year pitching and doing his thing. So that's always a good sign. It's always yes. a good sign. It's what we want to see. But Danny. It's time for the Beltway Series, the Nationals and the Orioles. It doesn't matter how good the Nationals are or how bad the Nationals are, and same with the Orioles. It's always a fun rivalry. Are you going to be getting out to the ballpark anytime? I'm not because well, it's in the middle of the week, actually. and I got yeah. I got to venture up to 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 Washington D.C. to make that happen. No, but <laughs> hopefully I will be able to make it up potentially to a game. In the next couple of weeks, uh, I, I'm actually coming up this weekend for for a friend's uh, 30th birthday party. It's that year. Go. It's that year for all of us, buddy. So when I come up to to DC for my 30th in July, I'll let you know who we're all getting hammered at, go. trying to forget that we just turned 30. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remind you guys that I am still in my Jordan year. So right. that's a good year, man. That's Thanks. a good it's year a to fun be year. In. It's a fun year. I'll say that. All right, Danny. It was always fun catching up with you, man. How can people find you? Tell us where you are, social media, wherever it may be. Yep. You're looking at my Twitter handle right now, at Danny Noakes, for anybody that's watching us on YouTube right now. I'm on Instagram as well, Danny.Noakes. Just a little bit of a difference right there. Mm -hmm. Don't have any upcoming shows with 106.7 The Fan, but Twitter is the best way to get updates on that. I get them on a week-to-week basis, sort of depends on availability. So just (laughs) keep an eye out on Twitter, folks. We'll be back at some point soon. <laughs> we'll be back. All right, that's Danny Noakes. I'm Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals, and that'll do it for tonight, guys. Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Now for tomorrow, we're going to talk about game one of that Baltimore Orioles-Washington Nationals series, and I'll have you covered just like I do every single day here on Locked On Nationals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.